0: Hello and welcome to the Star Wars Universe podcast. Today we are crossing the streams. We're going to be talking about The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 3, The Heiress. And on this episode we have both Jeff Randall, who's been joining me a lot for discussions of the movies and The Mandalorian, as well as Riki Hayashi, who's been on the um all the uh, episodes we've done about the Clone Wars. So we're going to have both of them here to talk about this episode, in which we're going to talk about the frog people finally reuniting without any more eggs being uh, eaten. We're going to get to talk about the... Um, Mandalorian history that we learn and the lore, and we're going to talk about how is it that Katie Sakoff, Bo Katan, and Obi Wan Kenobi live in the same universe but age so very, very differently? All that more after this commercial break. We have no control over. It. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. As I said, we've got uh, two great folks joining me today to discuss this episode. Uh, First up is Riki Hayashi. Riki, how are we doing today?
1: Wow, I'm so so glad to be here not last week. Yes. (laughs) We just kind (laughs) of got lucky. I mean, I, I bowed out last week because of the spider thing. I was like, I can't really do this. And then we put it off. Uh, me appearing until luckily we have this episode where i know a lot because i've seen all of these cartoons so i'm going to talk about that it's actually
2: it's perfect for you to be here this time like because i have no knowledge of the the clone wars or rebels or anything like that and then you're bringing your knowledge from the cartoon side and like it's the perfect crossover of, of both sides
0: for sure, for sure, and yet uh, Ricky and I, as well as um, uh, Ricky's partner Sarah, have been having a great time uh, on another part of this podcast talking about the Clone Wars, and we're not up to there yet. But but the characters who get introduced and in some of the lore is stuff that's all from the Clone Wars TV show and then later uh, the Rebels TV show, and uh, there's a lot of great Easter eggs and stuff. But I actually just want to start there with Jeff for you. How is this episode as someone who hadn't seen all of that stuff? Um, Bo Katan is not someone you know about before. Um, was it like very confusing and disorienting, or was it like just as awesome? You just didn't know the history. What was your kind of feeling on it? Well, it's uh for me, I think that
2: it's it was cool enough just to see other Mandalorians being as badass as the armorer was yeah. at the end of last season. Um because they you know they they kind of showed up and trounced everybody way more than than our friendly neighborhood mando has like in his entire run that we've seen him in. They're so much more badass than he is. Yeah. And they just kind of put him to shame and I think that that like that by itself was cool enough to where everything else just didn't matter. Like yes, I'm interested in finding out more about who Bo-Katan is mm-hmm. and, and you know, seeing what relationship she has to Ahsoka Tano, but, um, you know, not knowing where she came from did not affect how I viewed it at all.
0: It was just, I was along for the ride. And that is so good to hear because I think this is always the balance, you know? And I, I know that, for example, in the MCU, one reason why they were very hesitant to make references to the TV shows in the Netflix universe was this concern that audiences who hadn't seen the TV shows would feel lost when seeing the movies? Um, and we were talking before I—I've never seen statistics, but I'm going to guess somewhere between, or somewhere around seventy percent of the people watching The Mandalorian have probably not seen The Clone Wars and/or Rebels. Um, so it's great to hear that it still can really land um, while also giving all the Easter eggs for those of us who've uh, seen those for their comic shows.
2: Well, I think that the 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 major thing that they did right. With this show uh, versus, you know, what anybody could have done like in the MCU or anything like that is that in this show, they didn't lean on prior knowledge from Clone Wars, from Rebels. Like those things didn't necessarily matter for the story that they were telling here. They enrich your knowledge of this character. So you get a little bit more, you know, you get the different facets of why she, you know, why she is where she is and how she got here. But it didn't really affect this story in any major way. Like, prior knowledge wasn't required. Yeah. That's a very good yeah. way of putting it.
1: And I'll point out in the episode one from this season, The Marshall, the character of Cobb Vanth apparently appears in um, a series of novels called Aftermath, mm. which yeah. deals with post-Return um, of the Jedi. So I'm actually interested in, in maybe picking some of those up and reading about Cobb Vanth after watching the show. And so I think the people will have
2: made me want to read a book. <laughs>
1: it's great. I think people will have a similar reaction. You know, like, who's this Bo-Katan? It's like, oh, well, if you are watching on Disney Plus, which I think you have to be, right? Maybe you yeah. would like to check out these other properties, other, yeah. other products that we have.
2: Oh, man. Actually, yeah. Disney Plus did that to me. It was like, oh, by the way, you've watched The Mandalorian. You should probably watch this show. It's called The Clone Wars. Here you go. (laughs) It's right here. Here's a link to it. We'll go ahead and play the trailer here in a
0: second. Like, get out of my head, Disney+. Plus. You don't know what I want. You're right, though. I'll watch it. Apparently, Ashley Coffin, who is also often a a part of this discussion, was so so much wanting to be part of those deeper conversations that she spent all day watching The Clone Wars and is trying to now catch up. (laughs) Uh, I've told her that there's... Seven long seasons and a lot of stuff to trudge through to get to the good stuff, but uh, we'll, we'll hopefully get to hear her perspective. I do also want to take a moment just to just kind of say something about like what this show is trying to do because I, what I really – I think there are some great podcasts out there where the people who are on it all have just the complete encyclopedic knowledge of Star Wars, and that's everything from – the novels to the video games to the books uh, to the to the tv shows to really having studied you know the the wook Wookie-pedia, which is one of my favorite puns in the star wars land um and and if what you're looking for is something where it's really just going to be about catching all those references and, and knowing all of that there's great podcasts out there this is probably not the podcast for you um what really interested here is talking about the stories the characters the lore the universe and we're going to try and bring in as much of that stuff as we know. And, you know, um, we're all going to have different knowledges about it. Ricky, especially has been doing a great job uh, researching some of that. I try and do a lot of that research too. I know, for example, like we had some people writing in saying we got a few of the terminology about the, the things that the Tuscan Raiders were using, their equipment, for example, not quite right. I'm never going to try and claim that we're going to get all of that perfect. Um, it's not so- called the
2: Bantha Ballista? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bantha Lista oh that's a good turn there you go um and and so yeah so just just kind of letting people know that i hope that there's still a lot of discussion here that you can sink your teeth into and we are going to try and go as deep on that kind of stuff as we can um because i think it, it does make the story so much richer especially when this episode was so great because we got so much more of the lore and the story um so let's just kind of start at the beginning of the episode um did either of you or both of you go into this kind of worried that we would see Baby Yoda just wipe out an entire family by eating all the rest of the eggs?
2: I was terrified that a family line was going to end. Because that little shit. (laughs) Oh my lord. (laughs) We were watching it and and my my wife like, my wife starts yelling at the TV, you leave those eggs alone, Baby Yoda! (laughs) It was Well, I'm glad that the characters
1: addressed it. You know, when Mm -hmm. he, when Mando leaves uh, the child with the frog couple. He's like, be respectful. You know what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah. (laughs) It's perfect
1: because that's how we all felt as the audience. Like,
2: yes, please stop eating those eggs. Right. Stop eating the spawn or the potential spawn of a sentient race, of a sentient lady that does not want you to do that. Yeah. And that's something
1: like, right, the show is kind of also a family a family show right he's a yeah. single father and he's trying <laughs> to teach his child things like morality and so that was a nice touch where he's a bounty hunter and an assassin potentially but he has this morality where he's like no i'm gonna teach you
0: right yeah this is the way yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. And I—I I know certainly I had a couple people write in who are um, fathers of toddlers or, or mothers of toddlers, and were all saying like, "Yeah, no, you—you you can tell the child not to do something as much as you want. It's never going to happen." Um, <laughs> and what I really appreciated though is that at the end of the last—I uh, think Jeff—you had pointed this out—at the end of the last episode, one of the things that we saw was the child clearly having a moment of recognizing that frog lady had saved him and how important these eggs were to her and part of why that last egg he ate was so bothersome was because it felt like no now you finally get it so i was glad at least the this episode um he seemed the child really understands that and then we had that you know this to me is very star wars that the most touching romantic moment we've had in this show now in one and a quarter seasons is the two frogs reuniting um like mm-hmm. i just was really touched by that moment in a way i hadn't expected to be Um, and you know, they're speaking a language I can't understand. They're obviously both like, I think they were puppets, not CGI, which made it part of why it hit harder. Um, but I just, yeah, I think it was real
2: people in rubber costumes.
0: Yeah. Uh, I,
2: uh, you know, them reuniting was, it was touching because you got, you know, the frog calls from across the, across the dock. Uh huh. But like, I feel I feel kind of like Mando was the one that was disrespecting them this time. He can't understand them, right? Like, right. he doesn't speak their language. But he just walks in and is like, I need you to take care of this kid. Okay, bye. <laughs> Did <laughs> he even like, knock?
1: I feel like it was like a he knock knocked and the first enter anyway.
2: Time. He knocked the first time. And he was like, I need you to take care of this kid. And I got, like, no recognition motions. Like, no yes, no okay sure like any of that motion body language off of her Mm -hmm. and he's just like okay bye be nice (laughs) don't don't eat their babies (laughs) like okay he's gotta be respectful but you do too like she just reunited with her husband they need a minute
0: yeah right what if they were (laughs)
1: fertilizing that's what i'm saying they
2: gotta (laughs) fertilize like Let him be for a moment,
0: maybe a day or two. (laughs) That would have been been a good point. Um, I want to read a quick bit of uh, listener feedback, and then we can move on off the the frog and the egg question. Uh, Liz Bolin, who is um, a big fan of this podcast and also comes over to us from the MCU podcast, Um, so good cross-pollination there with the pandas, Uh, and they write, Currently listening to your most recent episode. I have three children, and my youngest is a three-year-old boy. My son has an excellent memory and absorbs info like a sponge. That being said, he's also a complete hooligan. Intelligence (laughs) and great intuition at a young age does not translate into mature behavior uh, when this age group is typically egocentric, even in gifted children. Baby Yoda's behavior was spot on for a toddler. Mano's frustration was so relatable in episode two, and I sort of enjoyed that. Love the podcast. So, yeah. So, thank you, Liz, for writing in. And it's, it's nice to hear that. I think with Baby Yoda, they're doing something very interesting, where sometimes he really seems to understand what's happening, but he is still a toddler. And I, I wonder if maybe some of the like, oh my God, baby Yoda, stop that. We're, we're, we're sort of expecting him to act a little older than his years.
1: Yeah,
2: certainly.
0: He's over 50.
1: <laughs> well, a lot of people are over 50. We're going to get to that, right?
2: <laughs> also, There's
0: also, a lot of children out there over 50. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely the case. Um, That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. okay so Uh. so the main part of this episode is we have um mando goes out on a ship to try and find the mandalorians it turns out that they're just um basically trying to trap him and so that they can steal his armor at which point they you know the prophecy winds up coming true um the mandalorians do show up and save him and we have this great scene where um, the Mandalorians then save him and are like, cool, another Mandalorian. Let's take off our helmet so we can talk to you. Um, we, and, and we get revealed that one of them is uh, Bo-Katan, who's been a very important character from the, the Clone Wars, and also just learn a ton about, it, it felt to me like this, this moment we actually got so many of the questions that we had going into the season about what is the way, why are these Mandalorians so different from all the other Mandalorians we've, we've seen before? Um, and we'll talk about that in a
2: second sorry one of the questions that we had was why is he so adamant about not taking off his helmet when you know you guys were talking about in the clone wars you see that happen
0: all the time right right and we'll talk about how that's answered in a second but first just give some background um riki do you want to just uh bring people up to speed who, who haven't seen those shows on who bo katan is and and why her her appearance at this point is so significant
1: Oh, goodness. <laughs> so. I, uh, I will
0: quickly say, um, spoilers we're about to give for Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, I definitely recommend people seeing those shows. I don't think it'll hurt your enjoyment of them if you haven't, but um, if you don't want to hear those, skip ahead two or three minutes.
1: All right. So, Bo-Katan is, originally starts the series as the second-in-command of Pre-Vizsla, who is, a, who is a leader of a splinter group of Mandalorians known as Death Watch, who are are trying to format revolution on Mandalore and bring back the old ways, to, which means uh, a more warrior-oriented culture. So you can see how that fits in with uh, this Mandalorian being um, a child of the Watch, they call him. Right. It, it seems like a definite connection to Death Watch. Um, eventually what happens is... Uh, Pre-Visla is killed, uh, right? Yeah. By Is he killed by Darth Maul? Darth Maul takes over Death Watch. By the way, Darth Maul is still alive. Um, <laughs> False part. <laughs> and bo doesn't go along with him because she is maybe kind of racist. I don't know. But she's basically like no non-Mandalorian can sit on the throne. Right. And starts a splinter splinter group called the Night Owls. And so she's fighting against her former colleagues in Death Watch and Darth Maul. And there's basically a civil war on Mandalore that leads up to uh, the siege of Mandalore, where the Republic also gets involved and sends um, Ahsoka Tano and the clones. So this is how Bo-Katan and Ahsoka meet. is Bo actually comes to her and says, we need help retaking Mandalore from Darth Maul, who you all hate. So help us out here. And they do... Darth Maul is captured and I think yeah he gets away as well because he mm-hmm. has to show up in solo. Um and then Bo ends up becoming the de facto leader of Mandalore. Yeah. Unfortunately, like that's very short-lived because this is the final season of Clone Wars, Order 66 happens and you know the the Republic becomes the Empire. And the Empire takes over and says, "No, like you're not, you're not in charge here." They install their own loyalist Mandalorians, led by the Saxon Clan. Yeah, who was also their leader was also like one of he was the lieutenant to uh, Maul when he took over the Death Watch. So that that's how Clone Wars ends, and then in Rebels, which is just like a, a year or two before A New Hope. Mandalore is still under Imperial control, under Saxon control, and it ends up that uh, one of the characters on Rebels, her name is Sabine, is uh, the niece of Bo-Katan, yep. and so Bo ends up showing up there because Sabine's family basically like starts a new civil war against the Saxon clan, and then they ask for help from Bo-Katan. They win, they defeat the, uh, the Imperial-backed Mandalorians, and once again, Bo-Katan is, is declared the leader of Mandalore, uh, and at that point, she wields the Darksaber, which has kind of changed hands a couple of times between, um, Pre-Visla, Maul, and, and I think Saxon had it. Yeah. So, at the end of Rebels, like, that's it. Bo-Katan is the leader of a free Mandalore that has kind of declared independence from the Empire, uh, and then we come to the show. All of a sudden, she's not the leader of Mandalore. Moff Gideon has the Dark Saber. What happened? We all yeah. want to know.
0: And so, Jeff, I know we've been talking before about like what's that? What's that backstory of the um, of the Dark And I think that, in many ways, I think that's one of the most important parts of all this is that Bo Katan is very much tied up in that, and because she's the last person we knew who held it, as Ricky was saying uh, before that, and. It just, I think, is also very important because Mandalore, at least as I understand it, I think in many ways you can compare it to kind of Vietnam or Afghanistan in that it is a part of the universe that has had its own problems and its own internal conflicts, but has also been kind of a a, a place for people to have proxy wars, whether it was the clones and the separatists or then the the rebellion and the New Republic with, you know, different sides kind of each trying to elect their puppet leader or their, you know, representative or whoever it is and the people themselves being caught in the middle. Um, and the, the whole story that, play, it is, I think one of the best parts of the clone wars and rebels stories is the way that that gets told.
2: Well, that certainly um, deepens my understanding and, and makes me more interested to find out uh, the backstory of this Bo-Katan because um, just knowing about, <clears throat> just knowing about the, the dark saber and, you know, knowing that it's changed hands a few times, Darth Maul's there. Like, I knew that Maul was alive, but um, I didn't know that he played such a pivotal role in, in all of that. Um, so, like, knowing that the Darksaber has changed hands through his, even, uh, kind of makes me want to go investigate all of this.
0: Yeah, and I will say, um, I'm not sure if we ever actually see him wield the Darksaber. Um, but towards the end of the Clone Wars TV show, again, spoilers here there is a lightsaber battle between Ahsoka, Kata- Ahsoka Tano and Darth Maul. I think it might be the best lightsaber battle in all of Star Wars. I mean it's just and it's it's completely animated, but it is just phenomenally done. Um definitely something I'd recommend to people. Um but so also important here, this is how we get um Ahsoka Tano and Bo-Katan to know each other so well. So I really like that this is kind of the this is going to be the lead-in to how we find Ahsoka.
2: Um how how do you think Ahsoka is going to take it? How do you how do you think Ahsoka is going to respond to this Mandalorian coming to her saying Bo-Katan sent me?
0: Riki, what's your thought? I, I mean they they end on
1: friendly terms, right? Like that, they they meet again, right? In Rebels,
0: yeah, I yeah, they do meet again in Rebels, and they and they work together for sure. Oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> My cat enjoys being on this podcast as much as I do. <laughs> so I I think I think it will be a moment of trust, like if he if he drops the name Bo Katan, but also like apprehension of not wanting to get involved, perhaps. Like I don't okay. know what Ahsoka's storyline is gonna be here, but it seems like you know, given that she did not fight in the the Civil War with the the rebellion, that either she didn't want to or couldn't get involved, and so she might be kind of like Luke, like just meditating.
0: Yeah, that's correct. I think this is mostly comes from the novels, but the understanding is that mm. um, she was mostly out on the Outer Rim during the the Age of the Empire. I mean,
1: I mean, I think it's important for her character to not be involved in the rebellion because yeah. it'd be like why didn't she appear in the movies why didn't she help train luke right so exactly they have to find some story reason for her to not be there and right. i think that will tie into her kind of being reluctant to get involved again because she you know in clone wars she left the jedi order of her own accord right uh, after they kicked her out and let her back in
0: and i think um, that's gonna be an important part because you know he's going to her thinking okay i'm gonna give her back to all the jedi Right. He and doesn't she... know at this point that A, almost all the Jedi are gone, and B, she very much does not consider herself a Jedi. She's worked right. with the Jedi some, and and she was offered a chance to rejoin the Jedi in their sort of nascent, we're trying to rebuild them after Order 66, and she declined. Because she, as you said, I think she she's she's in that sort of like, the Jedi have some problems. I still want to be working with the Force, but the Jedi are not necessarily the answer. So I, I think there's going to be some really interesting discussions about where that goes.
1: But at the same time, as you've touched on in the, in past episodes, she will absolutely recognize that the child is somehow related to Yoda.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that, definitely that, will,
1: that will probably compel her to act in some way.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so that, that's going to be an really interesting thing to find out. Um, What did you think of the way this kind of episode set this up? Because I, I joked... The way. Uh, well, yeah, the way. I, I, <laughs> I think I commented to one of you that um and uh ricky this might be a point that you made to me at some point someone else has, had brought this up that often the mandalorian feels very much like an online video game uh, an, an online rpg especially because it's that okay you find the person who can give you the information you need but first you have to do a mission for them you yeah, know next
2: quest next quest next exactly
0: quest. <laughs> and that's how the stuff listen. Uh, so how, a while and listen. How, how, did, how did you like this episode overall in terms of that in terms of the like okay we're going to learn more about the mandalorians and almost go to ahsoka but we got to do this other stuff first i
2: mean i thought I'm, it was oh, awesome sorry no 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 he was asking you he's asking you
0: <laughs> i'm asking everybody
2: okay
1: well i loved it i i i love the kind of i guess rpg feel it's also like a western feel right like yep. the, that is the ethos of this tv show and he's going from like mission to mission somehow always still has money like i expect <laughs> him to be poorer for some reason uh-huh. but he, he always manages to pay for everything right
2: yeah, he hasn't taken a bounty in quite a while
0: yeah, he's he definitely had to negotiate you know the last time he got the ship fixed, he could barely pay for it. This time he only had a thousand credits, which is a lot. But The, the, the
1: Razor Crest is in bad shape. Yeah.
0: I think. <laughs> no. I, I think he's putting food on the table, but he's definitely, you know, the he's having some trouble with expenses, I think, for sure.
2: I like how in this episode, when he goes on his quest for, or, well, I guess goes on the escort quest that he has to do <laughs> uh, with, with the other Mandalorians, it's kind of it, it reminds me a lot of the the prisoner episode from uh season one episode six I think it was where everybody all of the the crew in season one episode six was just like bumbling idiots almost they like mm-hmm. they did some good they you know they were okay in a fight but then mando comes in and he's just a he's a badass he kills mm-hmm. all the robots and like does all these cool things with all these weapons and then like these three Mandalorians show up and they go through a similar situation where they're infiltrating and then taking over and they show him up. They put him to shame. Yeah. Like they were so coordinated and amazing and I felt like he was just a child seeing how (laughs) adults function. And
1: And yet at the end of it when they were running out of time he just decided to tank it Straight up, was yeah. Like, I'll go out there yeah. and I'll take the hits. Mm-hmm. Which, yep. which cover was, me? I think a good character moment for him, and also a yeah, good was, way for him, him, to him gain trying their,
2: to. Their trust. Right, right. He was trying to to do the thing that was just like,
0: look, I'm. I helped. Yeah, I helped you guys. <laughs> and I think that's so important because, and this is, I think, kind of the real meat of the episode that we should talk about. You know, he learns this very challenging information that at first he totally rejects. Of that these are also Mandalorians. And my, you know, he doesn't... they more Mandalorian than he is. Right. And and at, at first he doesn't believe that. He doesn't officially say, I'm with you now, but he, he seems to at least be more comfortable with that thought by the end of it. And I feel like them being, if Mandalorian is being the way of the warrior, them utterly, like, outpacing him in terms of, like, as you said, being more Mandalorian than he is, that feels to me a very important step in him recognizing, like, no, these people can walk walk the walk you know they I, maybe i should listen to them
2: well yeah he was about to get um set upon by uh the the squid people the Quarren, and you know mind flayers i like to think of them as um <laughs> he was about to be set upon by that the that group of elves that they were like you killed my brother now i'm going to kill your pet right and then they the other the mandalorians just showed up and wrecked all of them they were like <laughs> no no he didn't kill your brother. I killed your brother. Say something. Yeah. Fuck around and find out.
0: <laughs> Mandalorians are from Philadelphia. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> oh, my God. That's exactly right. Because uh, they're
2: such a warlike culture.
0: <laughs> <laughs> People in Philadelphia understand Ashley Coffin's from Philadelphia. She likes to proudly claim that her city is, you know, super um, roll up your sleeves and throw a punch uh
2: watch everybody from philadelphia is going to write in and be like thank you for representing us
0: <laughs> there's diversity to a city it's a million than a million people um yeah but so let's get into the heart of this like we have been thinking for this entire time or at least i've been and we talked about on the show you know that the mandalorians are talking about the way or he at least is and everything is saying about mandalore doesn't seem to make sense with everything else that we've learned. Um, and here I feel like this is one of the best pieces of exposition to fill in a fill in a hole because what we learn is that he has not been like he, as as you said he's been part of this splinter of a splinter group that apparently broke away hundreds of years ago but is probably connected to the Death Watch in some way that they want they thought that the mandalorians were kind of losing their way and so they thought they had to I mean, they're kind of Mandalorian fundamentalists in a way, as it's described here. Like, they have to go back to the basics and, you know, never show your face and be really this uber militaristic, um, you know, your your warriorness is is your religion thing. Uh, what what was both your reactions to uh, the way they sort of squared that circle and explained all, how all this fits together? It's a cult. Yeah.
1: It's a militaristic, like, weapon cult, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They have
1: such a reverence I mean, for their own weapons and their armor and not taking out their helmet. So it makes sense. I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I'm still trying to figure out like how connected they are to Death Watch. right? Like, is it that the member of Death Watch dispersed after the Civil War and became this group? Or is it, as you said, a splinter group that kind of broke away from them? more in
0: the past i I think yeah i think they said that the watch broke off like hundreds of years ago so my thought is that death watch may be kind of a resurrection of that you know it says they're the children of the watch and so maybe there's been this thing called the watch for hundreds of years to some extent um and that the death watch is kind of a descendant of that all right sure (laughs) sure sure
2: (laughs) (laughs) i think um I don't know. It's it's like that revelation dropped a huge bomb on my understanding of of Mandalorian, mm-hmm. or, or specifically of Jinjarin, um, and I th- <laughs> it kind of feels like maybe he is um, like <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I can't even say it with a straight face. It's like he's he's in the Amish version, yeah, of Mandalorian, <laughs> kind of it. like <laughs> he was indoctrinated in this. In this little cult mm-hmm. uh, sect of Mandalorian culture that was like the, you know, the fundamentalist, the basic and like being opened up to a whole world. Like he just discovered electricity or yeah. like cars and <laughs> they're showing him this thing and he's like, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> like, it's
0: kind of like the movie Kingpin. I have not seen that, but I'm going to kind of go with what I, I think. I, I'm going to stand it as the Amish fish out of water story is about, I think, what is yes. necessary for that. There
2: we go. There we go. Well, uh, I, um, I, I know I that there's probably going to be a lot of people that don't like that comparison.
1: <laughs> I thought of it more like marsupials on Australia. You know, this continent broke off tens of thousands of years ago and it floated away from everyone else. And then the animals there evolved on a completely different track and in a different ecosystem it's like what what is this pouch pouch thing you've got going on like who thought of this right (laughs) so the so the the regular Mandalorians are like oh it's one of you that doesn't take off their helmets we've heard of you
0: i mean even just in in religion um you see this a lot like in judaism Um, because of the, you know, there's a diaspora of, I think we talked about before, about the Mandalorians maybe being kind of a diaspora people, at least some of them, you know, and, and you had all these Jewish groups scattered all sorts of different parts of the world. And when they started to be able to reconnect in like the 18th and 19th centuries, there were definitely moments of like, wait, you've been doing what for 800 years? That's not at all what we do. Mm. Um, but because these groups often like it was illegal for people to try and congregate together or reconnect or, um, You know, there have been stories about, similar to Christianity, of, like, discovering, you know, a a sect of Christianity that started in um, a southern part of Africa in, like, 200, you know, in the Common Era. And then in, like, 1200, they reconnect, and it's just so different. Um, So I I, I like it a lot, and I I think we're going to get a very interesting story because Jin has been kind of a fanatic to this point. Or a zealot, I think, is a very better, much better term. Well, they call him
1: that, right? Or they call the children on the watch that.
0: Yeah, I think you're yeah, right. Yeah,
2: they said they were a sect of religious zealots.
0: Yeah, and so now I think it's gonna be a really int- because we've never we've never met his parent, like the people who raised him. Um, and I I don't think have we ever been told what happened to like the group of Mandalorians he grew up with?
2: Uh, I mean, it looked like his covert was uh, was wrecked because uh, he found that pile of helmets.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh no, but I mean I I thought there was a a group, I mean, I just mean more like the people who who raised him. Oh, like the
2: ones that found him? Yeah. Uh no, he said he was raised in the um oh god, what what did he call it? Like the warrior division or whatever. Right. The fighting Corps, I think is what he called it. Um but like we we haven't gotten his backstory on like him growing up or anything like that.
0: Right. But yeah, so clearly I mean it may well be that um it, clearly, it may be that he has had only a very few number of Mandalorians who he's talked to, and like everyone in that um, that covert, certainly they all seem to be devotees of the way. And you know, may, maybe you're right; like those are the same thing. You know, that the armorist was was a big part of raising him, or at least teaching him those things. Now, and I think we to have a really. I hope that these characters stick around for a while, or at least that um, the the new Mandalorians, or at least that he reconnects with them, because. I think it's going to be very interesting to see him over the next couple episodes or maybe the next couple of seasons even really start to wrestle with what do I think I know and and how much of that is true and how much of that is just this, you know, you talk about the Amish, but yeah, it's any story of like, you know, you've always been told that all the people in the big city are evil and wrong and you're you're just a good person. And then you go there and find it's actually not so bad, you know, um, yeah, it, it's a Zootopia story basically in another way
1: okay and yeah we're it's gonna
0: still as
2: his as time
1: we're gonna definitely have a scene where he finally takes off his helmet right is like kind of a, a an acknowledgement that he is leaving behind the way that he has grown up with and is maybe embracing a different path or embracing the wider path of mandalorians like i feel like that's coming now that we've had this
0: oh that's interesting because I, I think so you, uh, you're saying you do think so, or you don't?
2: I think so. I, You know, like, my first thought is that he's going to meet Ahsoka Tano, and she's going to, like, force pull his helmet off.
0: <laughs> and he's going to be like, no, no, wait, that's mine! <laughs> I, but, I That'd be such an unconsensual, like, thing that, like... Yeah. I don't think she would... I think she'd be much more about wanting him to make that decision for himself. She probably would, but, you know... It would be the, funny, though, the, for sure. <laughs> so
2: the brief experience that I have with Ahsoka Tano is that she was a little bit petulant. So like I I would think that like it would be funny for her if she just pulled his helmet off and was like, look, did you explode?
0: Is anything <laughs> happening?
2: Is, you're fine. All right. I, move on.
0: I mean, I think the best thing I can say to help you understand and help other listeners understand who a Sokotana is, is imagine someone trying to learn the ways of the Jedi as taught entirely by Anakin Skywalker. Oops. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're saying he's not a good teacher.
0: You know, it's kind of like if you take like the most like ardent communist and ask them to teach you capitalism. Um, (laughs) It's, it's. I mean, I think he's a good teacher in some ways, but he teaches his understanding of how to be a Jedi, which is what basically almost gets him kicked out of the Jedi and causes him to overthrow the Jedi. And
1: yeah, because he was too old to be indoctrinated.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And and again, spoilers here. um, But I think one of the most interesting and powerful parts of the um, both the Clone Wars and then especially um, Star Wars Rebels is her coming to the realization that her former master, the person who she looked to to teach her everything about being a Jedi, is now Darth Vader. Um, and I think we are clearly supposed to know that by by the time we meet her in this show, she has come to understand that the person who taught her about being a Jedi, you know, is the one who then wiped out the Jedi and became Darth Vader. So, I think she's gonna have an incredibly jaded view on all this kind of stuff and it's gonna be very interesting to see how that plays out.
2: Yeah. It, I mean if he comes over if he comes up to her and is like I, I need to give this kid back to the Jedi, she's gonna be like ha ha, ha 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 Yeah, no they're dead. Yeah. All dead. <laughs>
1: Look, yeah, like can we talk for a moment about what where that plot line goes? Like once he takes her to Ahsoka, what is she gonna do?
0: Right. Because right,
1: there are no Jedi to take this <laughs> child back to.
0: Right? Like, well, what's the Tano going to do with well, this kid? Actually, and, and maybe this isn't well known. We've talked in previous episodes about how whether and how much information is or is not disseminated in the Star Wars universe is very inconsistent. Um, but if my timing is correct, and I think it, I think this makes sense, this show takes place... While Luke is establishing his school for young Jedi, you remember the the, the, the yeah
2: it should yeah the like one the that Ben the, Solo
0: school yeah the Ben and I I think me I actually my math might be a little bit off here but we don't we don't know this takes place ten years after the Battle of Yawin, which means it's six years after Return of the Jedi so Ben Solo maybe isn't born yet or maybe is very young and and we don't honestly know. Went so it may be that it's only, it, we're still a couple of years away from Luke establishing his school, you know, or whatever the heck he was doing, training all those young Jedi. But we don't know. I mean, do people know about Luke? Do people have any understanding of who Luke Skywalker is? We we saw in, the, in two episodes ago that they all watched the the Death Star blow up. Does anyone know the story of Luke Skywalker? Would would Ahsoka know that Luke Skywalker was a thing? Um, that's all. I hope we're gonna get some more information about that in the next episode.
2: But um, I mean you know information gets out we two episodes ago we saw a backwater nothing town that used to exist quote unquote watch the death star blow up on on television
0: well but remember somehow Who's filming that in, <laughs> right? in, and that was a great angle in a course of 60 <laughs> years in the course of like the first preview the first prequel movie starts and the, the time from that till the end of return of skywalker is about 60 years and during that time, the entire universe has forgotten all about the Jedi twice. So clearly like there's something <laughs> weird happening.
1: Well, I, I disagree with that sentiment. I I don't think that people forgot. I think that the Empire just covered it up or, or just like straight up made up stories. Right. Right? Like we are seeing that now in our society, that politicians and news outlets can literally lie. And mm-hmm. if they do it enough, people will believe it. I, so I think if the Empire is just like the Jedi were evil, we we took care of them, you don't have to worry about them anymore. Right. That that's gonna like fade into memory very quickly. And it'll be like if if someone tries to say, like, oh no, like the Jedi are good, I knew a Jedi, like their friends are gonna be like, shut the hell up, like
0: stormtroopers are listening. Well, I think I think that's true, but I think the the way the timeline breaks down is that in the those original movies you have people not saying, "Oh, I heard about the Jedi; they're all evil." You have saying, "Wait, what's who, what's a Jedi?" Um, you know. And anyway, it's a longer discussion, but I do think what you're saying is right that that the Empire's misinformation campaign certainly can be a big part of what happened to the knowledge of the Jedi. Um, but it'd be interesting to know. I mean, do do any of these people know the name Luke Skywalker? Do they know that he that he, uh, clearly Mando doesn't? Um, I'm I'm guessing I mean, Cara Dune would. Um, there was that. There was that one
2: situation where, um, in this episode, where um, God, Bo Katan, I keep, I keep wanting to say Katie Sackhoff,
0: <laughs> Yeah, Star uh, where
2: Bo Katan, Bo looks at him and is like, "How much do you know about the Jedi?" And he's like, "Nothing. I, I'm <laughs> yes. blank slate." And she's like, "Oh, ho, ho, you, yeah, you cute little babe in the <laughs> wild."
1: Yeah, because she has. Let's see, she has no. She fought alongside Anakin. Obi Wan, Ahsoka, Ezra Bridger, yep. rebels.
0: Yeah, she she so. definitely has, and I think she my here's an interesting thing as well. It seems very much written into the Mandalorian history. I mean, their history is very much tied into the history of the Jedi, and that they're the ones who fight the Jedi. Um, that's why the Dark Saber means so much to them. So clearly, the Watch has been uh, the children of the Watch has been teaching this very slanted story. Hmm. Yeah. But going back to that question that we started with, I have a somewhat different take on on Mando and the helmet. I I don't think he will choose to take it off. I think he um, I think there's going to be something where in the course of combat or or some kind of terrible situation, it happens again where either he ha- um he has to take it off to save his life or just it gets knocked off or in some other way like somehow that gets dealt with. Um, I I think the first time he is seen without his helmet by others is not gonna be something he wants um but we'll see that's i i don't think that's gonna happen next episode i i I think that might be something end we end the season season with season four (laughs) yeah quite possibly so
2: i really hope that's not gonna happen this season at all because like uh, him him having his life threatened by keeping the helmet on was such a great turning point at the in the last episode of last season Mm -hmm. but like doing that again this time would be like okay man that's old hat like yeah can't you can't you find another thing to make compelling about him
0: yeah i think that, i think that makes sense maybe it's that he like connects with yoda with the child you know by taking it off or something like that
2: <gasps> what if he has to protect the child by putting his helmet on the child i don't think <laughs> the ears will fit i i think they will i think <laughs> I think that bucket's big enough to get the whole kid in
0: there. Can <laughs> you, like, squeeze the ear, like, fold the He just, the ears, like, stuffs the whole kid in there, and he's just...
2: He, like, sets him on his chest or something. Uh-huh. Oh, he, like, he has to take off his, his whole armor. He, like, puts the chest on the ground and then stuffs Baby Yoda inside the helmet, puts the helmet on the chest. He's like, all right, you're protected, like, 100% at this point. I love that. So let's you know talk that...
1: Imperials. Yeah. <laughs> Because I need to talk about that.
0: Yeah, because we find out some good stuff about them. Uh, Riki, take that away.
1: Well, so the the Mandalorians, Bo-Katan's crew, is trying to hijack this shuttle. Well, they say that they just want to steal the weapons, but they end up trying to hijack the whole shuttle because it's a lot of weapons. And uh, it turns out that this shuttle is belongs to the group led by our good friend Moff Gideon. So we get a little... Uh, teleconference with him right where he he tells the captain of the shuttle you know what to do and then what he does is he shoots the pilot and the co-pilot and then tries to crash the shuttle which is what i expected to happen but but it's it's so you know like post darth vader imperial culture right to act that way
0: yeah there's a really interesting and he he was such an interesting character he was so deadpan um and i and i think um Jeff, you were pointing this out before that that a lot of the people, a lot of the other imperials, seemed like kind of bumbling idiots that he was kind of rolling his eyes at. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, the guy who was in the cargo hold, I love that scene.
0: Uh huh.
2: Close like, the doors. Close all the doors. We've trapped
1: them. Where did you trap we them? got them in the in the cargo control room.
2: Say that again. <laughs> yeah, what? One more time. Where'd you trap them?
0: Okay. <laughs> bye <Bye-bye>. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic, but yeah. So this yeah. was interesting because now we get to see that Moff Gideon is clearly not just you know running a small thing. Um, on on con- con- what what was the name of the planet where um he was getting his missions from and where the 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 client was hanging out? Navarro. Navarro. So yeah. So clearly, got Moff Gideon's reach extends a good deal beyond that. Um. Oh, yeah, he's a moth. Really. Well, and and so. What do we think? Is he just running... Is he kind of running his own little fiefdom? Uh, Like Cara Dune talked about in season one that when the Empire broke up, that a lot of like there were little local warlords who kind of just made their own mini empires. Do do we think that he's just doing that? Do we think that he's part of a larger plan as well? Is he connected to something that's like the first stirrings of the the First Order?
2: I mean, he said long live the Empire. Right. And... Uh, just that blind devotion. Yeah, we say that we say that Mando is, is indoctrinated, but uh, seems this little captain of this little shuttle or whatever might also be. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know the way, the way that he the way that he talks is like, yeah, these are you've got four Mandalorians. They've already taken that much of the ship. You're you're done. Just crash it. Like long live man or long live the Empire and. The guy swallows really hard and he's like, mm, I didn't want to come this way, but long live the Empire. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, he has the suicide dude. pill. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. He has the, uh, what, the <laughs> the Captain America, the first Avenger, you know, the first of many. <laughs> like, he's got that moment where he electrocutes himself. That's, oh, that's so crazy. Yeah. It, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Because chose- he's, just, he's just a
1: freighter captain, right? <laughs> so it's it's not even like he's a spy. Like, I understand spies. Like, if you get captured, that's pretty bad. Right. A, just to, like, find out that there are spies. Uh, but B, the information that you might have. But this guy is just, I, I say just, but he's a freighter captain. And I, I thought it was very stunning for him to have that that suicide capsule and to use it.
0: That's what made me wonder that Moff Gideon is definitely not just some local warlord trying to build up his own little version of the Empire, that I think he's connected to something much deeper that may or may not be kind of the seeds of the First Order because what that tells me is that they're really devoted to secrecy, you know, that they don't want anyone to capture them, that they don't want anyone to know this isn't just, you know, some holdouts from the Empire, that there's something going on, something they're plotting um, and again, I might be head the hell out of that, but that's certainly, I think you're right. That's the direction it seems to lead.
2: Well, yeah, it, the, the client on Navarro, the Werner Herzog of it all, he was being super secretive in his little, in his little hovel. Like, yeah, we saw him a lot and we get to, you know, we get to be in that space where he was a lot as, as the audience, but it was really only for a few episodes and like he laid low most of the time. Right. You know, meeting in secret, not using any kind of um, uh, any kind of communication devices that are long range other than, you know, the one time that he talked to Moff Gideon and just got annihilated immediately yeah. after. <laughs> like, there's a lot of secrecy that's gone into what they're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, that could be interesting. And, and I think we were talking on the last episode that we were a little sad that we've had you know some interesting character moments. And, and the first episode was a lot of fun but it it really has been very side questy and not very much about kind of this main story. And if you're like,
2: "Now, yeah, well they were saving it all for this episode." Yeah.
1: <laughs> and there's only 8 episodes, is that right? That's correct. That's yeah. what they say, yeah. Yeah, so like they need to get to
0: it quickly. Yeah, yeah we can we got a story, let's go. Well, you got to figure that Boba Fett is going to be a very important part of I know, they keep teasing oh, him. And here's actually an interesting thing that I think is going to be really fun to play with. So Boba Fett is a clone. He is a he's a clone of Jango Fett, but what yeah. that also means is he has the exact same DNA as all of those clone soldiers. His um, they say that their like the individuality and the aggression was toned down in a way it wasn't for Boba Fett. So he's much more individualistic, but he's going to look and talk exactly like a clone. At least he's supposed to. Ahsoka Tano knew the clones and cared a lot about the clones and was a general for the clones. Um, I don't know if those two are going to show up in the same episode, but if so, I think it could be very interesting.
2: Mm. Hmm. Okay.
1: Well, since, since Sarah's not here, I need to, to speak on her behalf that her headcanon is that Ahsoka and Rex had a, a romantic thing after the Clone Wars.
0: <gasps> I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, that that just, could definitely be that that, a Baby Yoda shit that now. From? <laughs> Rex, for those who don't, yeah, I think we meet Rex briefly in um, the, the prequel movies, but he's a very important clone who lives through the Clone Wars and then is, um, again, spoilers here, and then is a part of the um, Star Wars Rebels much later. Um, so, yeah, I like that. Now, also letting Sarah have her due, um, uh, I made a joke before about uh, Bo-Katan not aging at the same rate that Obi-Wan Kenobi does. Uh, th- this was brought to my attention by Sarah. Do you want to say another word about that, Rigi?
1: So, bo in the Clone Wars, like I said, is a lieutenant to pre Visla. So she's presumably at least a late teen, probably like early 20s. Right. Uh, meaning she is only a few years younger. She's basically like in between Obi-Wan and Anakin in age, right. I would say. So, like, by the time we get to A New Hope, Obi-Wan is Alec Guinness, and he, you know, looks and plays, like, a, a 70-year-old, I would say, but he's only supposed to be in his 50s. Right. And so, like, Bo-Katan is the same. Like, she's so probably in her 50s at this point. um, And played by Katie Sackhoff, who I think is in her early
0: 40s. She just turned she's 40. She's exactly 40. Yeah. Yeah, the, the... so... It, it, there's, there's a difference. Yeah. It, it's been at least 30 years or so since the events of the Clone War by the time this is happening. And, you know, it, it's Katie Sarkoff is a, a great looking actress and a very good actress and she was the original voice of Bo-Katan so I'm very oh, glad yeah. they picked her. Um, but they could have even used makeup to age her up a little bit because she looked a little mean. young for that role. Nah, I don't
2: think no, so. No, man. It's, it's the difference between the two planets you know how much water you live near okay it you know it, it affects your face i can see that
1: i mean there, there's a similar problem <laughs> with with luke and leia in the postquels, mm-hmm. in that in those they're supposed to be in their 50s and they look and play like 60s i would say right so i think i think bo katan is actually a reasonable fit 50 year old at this point
0: I can believe that. And again, it, it's not the biggest deal. It's a little humorous, but I think it's just. Uh, um, I know Sarah had commented on it, so it was yeah, worth yeah. bringing I, up again. I would,
1: I would place more of the problem on on the the, the Obi Wan Gregor to Alec, Alec Guinness. Yeah, jump.
0: Yeah, I mean, as Paul has pointed out a couple times, if we actually want to be somewhat realistic about this, the degree to which these people are all traveling at faster than light speeds on a regular basis means that their ages are going to be mm-hmm. all screwed up anyway due to the laws of relativity. Um, you know, and time passing slower, depending on the speed at which you're traveling. Um,
1: That's just a science I don't want Yeah, to no, introduce. I, I, <laughs> I think we're not going to get that level of
0: astrophysics and, and relativity, because I don't even fully understand it by any means, uh, Inject into this universe. But, you know, it's just one more way to look at it.
2: Speaking of injecting science, how about that re-entry at the beginning of the episode? <laughs>
1: You mean the stop on a dime just before hitting the platform?
2: We've never seen in the Star Wars universe, at least I haven't, we've never seen a ship go through the process of re-entry. It's just, you know, camera out, looking at the planet, looking at the ship going toward the planet, like, okay, that's what the planet looks like from here, and then they just appear at the starport that they're landing at. There's no process of, of re-entry and having to worry about that. Like this is the first time of I have had to experience that. And he's like, you know, we got to angle it properly. We got to do this manually. You know, if we don't burn up on reentry, then, you know, we'll
0: survive. So we did see it once um, in a, granted, a movie. I don't expect you to commit it to memory. But in um, uh, Revenge of the Sith, the third movie, the last of the prequels, early in that movie, um, General Grievous's ship breaks in half and Anakin is able to fly the front half of that ship because this oh, makes total sense gosh. physics but yeah like <laughs> and, and, they, and they and at least this part they get right they show his ship like you know burning up and like uh, as it goes through the you know atmospheric reentry and other like little small fire truck ships like putting out the fires on all sides of the ship um i'm not saying they do it well but they do at least acknowledge that that is a thing um <sighs> and i think there have been a couple of the times okay. where we've seen a ship kind of like um, like you on ship, I think did this a couple times in the second movie. Certainly, in the Clone Wars, it happens a bunch. Um, but you're right; it's not maybe the uh, um best presented by any means.
2: Like, well, like the the thing that I'm that I'm looking at is this episode is 35 minutes long. Right, right. Why are we wasting short. time on science? Yeah, that's fair. Like, you've got you've got so much story to tell with three other Mandalorians here. Like, you're introducing backstory for for the split between the different factions of Mandalorians, and you are wasting your 35 minutes, like, you're killing me with this (laughs) re-entry bullshit.
0: I I think once they've spent that much time establishing just how broken down the Racer Crest is, showing it's continuing to still have problems this season, this episode was a little bit important before it could get fixed. But yeah, I mean, we didn't spend quite as much time on it.
2: They could have skipped the reentry and gone just straight to like, okay, okay, we got this, we got this, we're gonna land it, we're gonna like, la- Oh, we're in the ocean. Yeah, like just going to that would have been fine and would have hit that humor factor like we needed. We didn't yeah, need all like that, unless it's gonna blow up. Don't show me the reentry. I don't care. Right.
1: That, that the flop at the end was perfect for the for <laughs> yes. the character of the Razor Crest. Yes, but yeah, okay. the, the whole re-entry and like I said, the stop on a dime. Yeah. Like, how do your thrusters, like, have that much power to just stop on a dime just above the harbor?
0: And if like, so, shouldn't,
1: shouldn't you have taken re entry a little slower then? Yeah.
0: All those people who are yelling at him, you have to slow down, you have to slow down. Looks like maybe he didn't. Um, although he does then fall in the water. And I, I do love that we get, you know, it's nice to see when, like, military hardware can get repurposed. So seeing the base of an, av- an ad at walker. Being now the like, yeah. basically this huge mobile crane I was like okay that's that's kind of cool that tracks yeah I liked it I liked that a lot yeah.
1: little details like that mm-hmm. great
0: um so I think that's about all I had to talk about for this episode did you have you had any other uh, last things you wanted to touch on or questions you wanted to bring up or just kind of cool things you wanted to mention yeah how I'm many sure. fish do
2: you think he's gonna catch on the Razor Crest now
0: <laughs> probably a bunch.
1: I, I just have a small detail to add. Go for it. Uh which is that Bocatan one of Bo-Katan's lieutenants is played by the WWE Sunil wrestler Sasha Banks.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice.
2: So And the other one was Sunil Bakshi in Agents of Shield.
0: Oh cool. Right. Okay.
1: Well hopefully that hopefully we get to see them again and we get some, some dialogue out of them. Because I thought that was that was just a nice little crossover
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. detail. <laughs> that guy had like one line and that's now we have two professional wrestlers in the mandalorian universe because cara dune was also played i know by a um uh she was an a mma fighter MMA fighter. okay cool cool so yeah we'll we'll see how much more crossover we get there so um uh well thank you both so much for being a part of this conversation jeff so um why don't you talk, take a minute about talking about what's happening on some of the other podcasts you're involved with
2: Oh well, you know we got the MCU cast still going strong. We just had our 500th episode. Um, we're actually going to be uh, we're going to be covering WandaVision very soon. We finally got a release date for it. Uh, January 15th is when WandaVision's coming up, and my God, are we excited! Nice. Um, you can find us on strandedpanda.com. Uh All of the Stranded Panda network is on that site. Um, with links to all of the social things. Um, the Facebook group is linked there. And, um, you know, I, I'd just like to also say that Cufflinks.com has also Star Wars-themed things, uh, and you can, you know, help out the Stranded Panda Network there as well. Nice. Cool. So you can go to strandedpanda.com slash support and get the link for Cufflinks.com. You got uh, Darth Vader bow ties and, you know, lightsaber cufflinks and lightsaber tie bars and you know all the really cool really cool stuff
0: no yeah uh ashley coffin actually sent me um the uh revel alliance cufflinks uh, as a wedding present so yeah i i, oh, I have some of the stuff amazing and they're, they're great um riki what about you if people want to find out more about kind of finding more of your thoughts uh on the internet where, where can they find you
1: i mean i am on twitter at mtg rikipedia and uh, I guess I should also plug the Geek Bracket podcast trivia show run by our good friend J.P. Yep. Judge J.P., I was I, previously I had been the guest expert, as he calls it, um, uh-huh. on the Star Wars questions, and I I did Star Trek questions for him two months ago now. Nice. And Matthew, you were on there, and you did pretty well on the Star Trek questions.
0: Yeah, actually, I did fairly well on the Star Trek questions. Um, I then was on again uh, just a couple weeks ago, and just got utterly destroyed because I didn't. Uh, the topics were way outside my my realm of knowledge. But it is a really fun podcast, um, and in a fun connection, actually, um, on the my other podcast, the Superhero Ethics Podcast, also findable on the Stranded Panda website. Um, I just put up an episode with Paul Hoppe talking about the death of Alex Trebek and the importance of trivia and the importance of, you know, games that are about objective fact, which are becoming harder to find in our world. And I, so we, we gave a plug for that there, but I, I would agree. Uh, JP is a fantastic host. He's got a great radio voice. He's very funny. And, uh, if you like trivia, the, um, geek bracket trivia show is definitely a podcast to check out. Um, So thank you both for being a part of this. I'll also give a quick plug. Um, I'll also give a quick plug. Please check out all the other podcasts on that of Panda Podcast Network. Find some of my own as well as some others. But the best thing you can do to help out right now is if you go to iTunes or anywhere else where uh, you can review podcasts and drop a review for the Star Wars Universe podcast. I'm sorry, drop a review for Star Wars Universe podcast. Apparently you can search for the Star Wars Universe podcast and find something else, which I don't think it started by the time I started this, certainly I couldn't find it. So apologies for the confusion, but look for the icon that has the Rebel Alliance symbol with two microphones crossed as though they are lightsabers. Uh, Mic sabers, I think was the term that Jeff came up with last time. But the reviews are really helpful because right now people want new content about Mandalorian, about Star Wars, things like that. The more reviews that we have, especially the more five-star reviews we have, and I I hope you like this podcast enough to do that. If not, of course, please leave your feedback anyway. But the more of those reviews that we have, the higher that we go on the search rankings. And that means more people to join the conversation, more comments, more feedback, and just let the whole experience be that much better for everybody. So if you get the chance, please drop us a review. Please check out some of the other great podcasts we've talked about, and have a great day. I've spoken.
1: Kenobi. (laughs) C'est le rocadou